All right. Well, good morning to you. I see we've got about half the people in here and half the people out there. So I don't know if they think it's last Sunday and it's fellowship hour or they're just slowly trickling in. It's probably they're just slowly trickling in. But we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, I'm Camper Monday, the assistant pastor here. And we are getting ready to kick off an 11-week series on the Ten Commandments. Just enough to confuse you, 11 weeks on the Ten You'll probably figure out by the end of the day why we've got 11. Same with our sermon series, 11 weeks on the Ten Commandments. And our, uh, our time together is actually it's based on a great little book by J.I. Packer uh, called Keeping the Ten Commandments. And so as we get started, I'm going to open us in prayer. So if you join me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, We thank You for revealing Yourself to us and for calling us into Your presence, for making Yourself known on Mount Sinai through the Law, through the Ten Commandments, and then giving us a fuller picture, a fuller expression of that in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray... For this morning, we pray also for the weeks ahead that You would meet us, that You would teach us, that You would change us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you guys come on in, find a seat, make sure you get a handout. You should have a nice green handout. And I thought we would start by taking a look at the course purpose, which you have uh, at the top there, because one of the things we don't want to do is have two simultaneous sermon series on the Ten Commandments. So Brandon and I have been very careful as we've looked at uh, the adult ed and as we've looked at the sermon series and when we're doing what and doing our best so that you don't sit through the same thing twice, even though I know for some of us that could be a good thing. Um, But the purpose here, it's twofold. Uh, The first, as you'll read, is to cultivate a heart and mind as we prepare to hear and be changed by the Word of God preached during our weekly Sunday worship service. So in other words, this is to get us thinking. Um, And a nice thing for us as we come into a Sunday worship service, because a lot of times... We haven't done a whole lot of thinking and a whole lot of heart preparation, but this just works really well uh, toward that end, that we would cultivate our hearts as well as our minds. Uh, That being said, we're also not going to cover everything. So we are are going to be catching glimpses, getting tastes, and really in preparation for what's ahead. And then that leads into the second part here, uh, purpose number two to begin and or continue conversation. Conversation with one another as the body of Christ. Conversation with the Holy Spirit as He works in our hearts individually as well as corporately. As we journey together through these Ten Commandments in our sermon series. In conversation that we hope will carry on beyond today. So hopefully there will be enough here. And the Spirit will use enough in our, our worship service together. That we'll be thinking about these truths and how they impact our lives uh, throughout our weeks, and even be in conversation with one another about that. Well, here's a quote uh, from Dr. Packer. 
that I wanted to begin with. You've got it in front of you. God's love gave us the law just as His love gave us the gospel. And as there is no spiritual life for us saved through the gospel, which points us to Jesus Christ the Savior, so there is no spiritual health for us save as we seek in Christ's strength to keep the law and practice the love of God and neighbor for which it calls. So let me read that again so we can think about that for just a moment. God's love gave us the law just as His love gave us the Gospel. And as there is no spiritual life for us save through the Gospel, which points us to Jesus Christ the Savior, so there is no spiritual health for us save as we seek in Christ's strength to keep the law and practice the love of God and neighbor for which it calls. And so over the the coming weeks, this this quote hopefully will be unpacked for us as we encounter uh, each commandment one at a time. I thought it would be good for us to read the commandments together. And you'll get that twice today. You'll get that here and then you'll get that in our worship service. But you'll find it on page 61 of the Pew Bible, so you can find one of those in front of you. And it's Exodus chapter 20. So page 61, Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 1 to 17. So I invite you to stand. I think it would be good for us to read this together. I think you'll be just hearing it in the next service, but here we can uh, read this together. So I do realize some of you have other versions. Um, So I'll be reading from the ESV, which is the, the Pew Bible but I don't think any of them vary too much that we'll get mixed up with the old trespasses and debts and get thrown off for the rest of the, uh, the prayer or the commandments in this case. So Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1, if you'll join with me. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, 
or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And this is the Word of God. You may be seated. Let's take a few moments to to think out loud together some uh, common understandings and even misunderstandings uh, with regard to the commandments. What What did you think of the Ten Commandments, if you thought of them at all, when you were growing up? When you were a kid, not not right now, but when you were growing up, what did you think of the Ten Commandments? Anyone? You thought nothing, all right. Did you memorize short form or did you memorize long form? He doesn't remember. See, the memory, it just didn't stick, that memorization. Yeah, that's right. A lot of folks, if they were in a church setting and in Sunday school, uh, would learn them by heart. And it's interesting because Dr. Packer points out that probably if you're over age 50 today and you grew up in the church, there's a good chance you did learn the Ten Commandments. If you are under 50, there's a good chance that you have not learned the Ten Commandments. So, anyone else? What did you think of them growing up? Okay. So growing up knowing I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. Thought of it as a list of don'ts. Do not, do not, do not. Okay. And what did that, did, did you like the Ten Commandments? Now this is getting, getting personal. Nope. nope. All right. Anyone else not like the Ten Commandments growing up? <laughs> I'll raise my hand. Really hard. How in the world? Yeah. Okay. So Shirley got a couple of cardboard stone tablets with the commandments written on there. Anyone else get anything like that that you had? Yeah, all right. Well, how would you say the Ten Commandments are generally perceived today? How do most people view the Ten Commandments? And I'm asking that really on two levels. One would be, what does the world think of the Ten Commandments, if thought at all? Maybe where have you heard of the world speaking about the Ten Commandments recently? But also, 
how are the Ten Commandments perceived by the church? And then a telling question, any difference between those two? So, uh, how are the, the Ten Commandments generally perceived today, would you say? Archaic. That's old stuff. So old stuff, not really important. We've got new and improved today. Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, surely speaking of the Alabama situation, I think he stood his guns and they were removed as well as he was removed, I think. Yeah. So. Okay, threat against separation of church and state. What's that? We. Selective use, yes. When they are good ammo for us, yeah, we, yeah, we, we'll use them for our own good. Okay, some guidelines, some good, good suggestions. And if it doesn't work out, you try a little something else. Hmm, not intellectually acceptable. Okay. Well. Would you say then, and I haven't heard this so far, would you say typically, typically anyone or people in, in general view them as being part of a life of freedom? No. Typically viewed the opposite. You want a life of bondage? Here's ten things you can try to do day after day. And yet it's interesting uh, just to hear these words from King David, which you may be familiar with from Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your, is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward, great relationship, a life of freedom. And so, our prayer over the next 11 weeks, as we encounter the Ten Commandments, or at least my prayer, is that we would be able to proclaim that truth and it would truly be speaking honestly from our hearts uh, that we too would say those wonderful things about God's law. Now what part of the Ten Commandments is often left out when the two stone tablets are put on display? Anyone know? What's that? The prologue. Often when the Ten Commandments are put on display, you have com uh, Commandments 1 to 4 on one side, 5 to 10 on the other, and I did, did a little bit of Google searching at some, some pictures, some were a little hard to read, but a lot of times the prologue is left off. Now you see why we're doing 11 weeks 
on the Ten Commandments. The prologue, which you have, have there in front of you, Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2, and I've printed before you verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, there is good news before there is good instruction. But I think a lot of the negativity that we sense is because the good news is often left out. It may be just one line or a couple of lines, but it is powerful. It, it holds together all of the commandments. And so here's, here are a few thoughts for us to, uh, to consider. Left you a little space there if you want to jot down any of these. But again, Exodus 20, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. I and you. It's an I-you relationship. And this is central to understanding the Ten Commandments. In fact, this I-you relationship is the essence of of God's covenant of grace. If you remember a, a few weeks ago, I preached on God's covenant of grace or God's grace covenant. And it's about an I-you relationship. I will be your God and you will be my people. And it begins with God stating very clearly, I will be your God. And here, I am the Lord who rescued you. Thus, you shall. And so what we, what we discover in this prologue, very similar to what we discover when we look at the Lord's Prayer, and often we can skip to the, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, and we forget the one to whom we're praying, our Father in Heaven. We forget that good news when we go through the Ten Commandments. So often we forget the prologue, I am the Lord your God who rescued you. Well, this is where we discover grace. And it's important for us to remember that grace is about the relationship between performance and acceptance, and which one precedes the other. Grace is about the relationship between performance and acceptance, and which one precedes the other. Because you see, grace is about acceptance before performance. Acceptance before obedience. And for us, as followers of Jesus, it's about an acceptance that we have in Christ. And this, this prior acceptance becomes our identity. And it must wash over and lead any expression of obedience that we have. So again, good news before good instruction. Now part of this good news as well, as grace is founded on, this good news of this I-you relationship is that it is a personal relationship. Now I'm not speaking of a private relationship, though there are private aspects of it, but you know God here is speaking to the people of God. When we did the Lord's Prayer, we looked at the fact it doesn't start off my Father, but our Father. But nonetheless, it is a personal relationship because we have personal relationships with personal beings. Impersonal relationships 
with things that are impersonal, like this chair. I don't have a personal relationship with this chair. It's a thing. It's to be used. And the Ten Commandments speak directly into personal relationship. And as many of you are already aware, and I tried to point out last week, the first four commandments, one to four, look at our vertical relationship. The vertical personal relationship. Our relationship with God. And then five to ten, that horizontal, those horizontal relationships are relationships with one another. And also, if you remember, Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments for us. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That we were created to be love God, love neighbor people. But there's a problem. I mean, you know that the root problem is sin, the fallenness of our world, our brokenness. And so it's not, what I'm going to say right now is not just a problem of our day, though we're keenly aware of it because we didn't live hundreds of years ago, but it's, it's a problem that's been throughout history. And it's too often, and you've probably heard this said before, too often we love things and use people rather than loving people and using things. And the same goes with God. We often love things and use God when we were created to love God and use things. And so at the heart of these commandments is a personal God. A personal relationship. Born and maintained in love. God is not an impersonal power, an impersonal being. And yet we do often treat Him that that way. Maybe you've caught yourself like me, treating God like the genie on the lamp. Rub a little bit, come out, grant my three wishes, and then please get back in there and don't bother me. Or maybe more recently in, in pop culture would be Star Wars. May the Force be with you. The Force, an impersonal force, Something for you to channel and to use for your own good or bad, however you choose to use it. And that is not the type of God that we're talking about. I want to read to you just briefly this quote from uh, J.I. Packer. He says, Christians know that God has called them into a relation of mutual love and service of mutual listening and response, of asking, giving, taking, and sharing on both sides. Christians learn this from watching and listening to God incarnate in the Gospel stories and from noting the words of invitation, command, and promise that God spoke through the prophets and apostles. And then he goes on to say, for the commandments are God's edict to persons He has loved and has saved, to whom He speaks in I-you terms at each point. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery, thus you shall. And so these ten directives which embody the Creator's intention for human life as such are here presented as the means of maintaining a redeemed relationship already given by grace. And for Christians today, as for the Jews at Sinai, law-keeping is not an attempt to win God's admiration and put Him in our debt. 
but rather the form and substance of grateful personal response to His love. And yet many of us today, like the Pharisees, often try to live out the Ten Commandments, but we do so with a loveless obedience. A loveless serving of the law. A loveless performance. We lose sight of the prior acceptance in Christ. Or maybe we, look, we get them mixed up. If only I perform a little better, then He'll love me a little more. I, I was speaking at one of the local schools, and I, I asked them, if they thought, it was a Christian school, I asked them if they thought God loved them more when they made A's or when they made C's. Then I asked if any of them made any C's, to which they laughed, and I don't know if that's because some of them did or none of them did. But you see, when we live a loveless life, what we end up doing is we depersonalize relationships and we actually dehumanize ourselves. The love of God and the love of others is at the heart of the Ten Commandments. Love responding to love. Love responding to love. I am, you shall. And so this I-you relationship is the real secret of law-keeping. And this is what we're going to ask God to continue to unfold for us uh, in the coming days and weeks. Now, you've got in front of you some, uh, some questions. Implications of the command. And what I would like to do is take about ten minutes. I encourage you to get in groups of two or three or four and just talk about these. Obviously, you're not going to have time to get through all of the questions, so you can uh, pick and choose there. But why is it wrong to use people, to use God? Under what circumstances do we do that? What is the importance of the IU relationship between God and us in determining our response to the commandments? And then beginning to hit closer to home, to what does God invite you, based on these opening words in Exodus 20, uh, what does He invite you based on these words of the commandments? And then what, what would our church look like if this good news were fully embraced by its members? So I know you don't have time to talk about all of them now, and I hope maybe you'll... Uh, take this home and and think about them as well, but let's take about, yeah, about 10 minutes and do that, and then I'll call us back together and we'll wrap up our class.
I, I'm old. Okay. Well, I hope that you guys have been obedient because of my prior acceptance of you. And you've really been discussing these things. And not your latest favorite movie. Um, <laughs> that'll be next week. Um, but I would, I would love to just briefly hear maybe what a, a few of you were thinking about the last question there. What would Grace Covenant look like? Maybe you didn't get to the last question, so this becomes a good time to think out loud with everybody. What would Grace Covenant look like if this good news were fully embraced by its members? It looked like heaven on earth. Okay. Wouldn't have any conflicts, or would conflicts maybe look different? Okay, I see. I see a nod. What, what would you say, John? To... Yeah, and, and you know, the way that we treat other people uh, really says a lot about the way that we believe God treats us, the way He looks on us. And if we would live more and more in this truth of prior acceptance, I am the Lord your God who have rescued you from slavery. Am rescuing you from slavery. I am the God. If, if we rested in that more, then when we do get in those conflicts, we would be quicker to go, you know what, the Lord accepts this person too. Doesn't Now, we often confuse in our society acceptance and approval. So I'm not confusing those two. But that we would accept even, I mean, there's a, I hope that you will accept me. There's things in my life I hope that you will not approve of and that you would, if you saw them, you would confront me, you would rebuke me, you would love me in that grace. Well, we will be addressing that in the fall. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I love those, John. To just summarize it. I, and my summary will be, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, <clears throat> we'll actually be unpacking that over a, a 12-week period in the fall. Yes, we would still, yeah, we would still be sinful, and we'd still act like neurotic turkeys. That's I'm quoting. <laughs> but we would be able to do so in the context of grace. I, I recently heard this statement about the church. We often view the church as a place where if everybody would just come and have their stuff together, then we'd all be okay. But you know, I, I've never heard a doctor come home from the office and say, "Dang it, sick people came in today." They came to see me again. And the church is a lot more like that doctor's office, that hospital. We're, we're, we are sick people coming in. Let's stop pretending we're not. 
rest in that prior acceptance, and then encourage and exhort one another based on that to live in the reality of the Gospel, to live in trusting obedience, to grow into that which we are, will fully become one day, to not be surprised when we have conflict with one another. Heather and I have conflict. Brandon and I have conflict. But there's a prior acceptance. And we love each other. Now, it doesn't always mean we do it perfectly. Um, but to be able to go and to examine my heart, even when I'm in conversation with someone, and say, am I more concerned with being right or with the relationship? The relationship is at the heart of it. Okay. I do want to make sure that we end on time. And so I'd like to give us just about a minute to, for quiet reflection, quiet prayer for yourself personally. Come before the Lord, whatever He has uh, triggered in you this morning, and if, and if it's not anything particular, just, just speak to Him. But come to Him personally asking for gospel transformation in your own heart first. And then uh, after just a moment of that, a minute or two, then I'll go ahead and close us and pray that for us as the body of Christ. So let's go quietly for a moment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I am, you shall. Father, we do come to you recognizing that your grace is not a license to sin, recognizing that your grace calls us to respond to your love, to respond in trusting obedience to you. And we, we, we look at these commandments and they are overwhelming. And we know that if we're caught alone with them apart from Jesus, that they will crush us. And we pray that you would uphold us by the gospel, by what our Savior has done for us, by what you continue to do in us by the work of your Spirit. 
that we would know your prior acceptance of us and that that would spur us on to good deeds, to love you and to love one another. Lord, would you do this work in us? Would you do this work in Grace Covenant Church for the strengthening of your body, the body of Christ, for the witness to our community, and most of all, to your glory, because it is your truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So go in peace.